0: Okay, on three, we'll do five. <laughs> Hello, listeners, this is Glenn Ostlund, and Infants on Thrones is 10 years old. Now, some of you have been on this ride with me the entire time, and many of you haven't. Regardless, I always appreciate hearing from listeners who have changed over the years, as I've changed and this podcast has changed... We're all always growing from one thing into something else. And it's been an incredible ride. It's still going, of course, but I want to commemorate this 10 year birthday of Infants on Thrones by revisiting some of my favorite infant episodes from the past. And I'll tell you what all of this podcasting has done for me personally it's made me very interested in mental, emotional, and yes, even spiritual health. This is why I'm in the process of becoming a licensed therapist, it's why I've been working as a life coach for the past few years, and it's why I keep making episodes for this podcast, to rewire my own brain, to reshape my own confirmation biases, so that I can truly look for the good, so that I can truly put down the weapons that I use against myself, and so that I can intentionally focus on putting more peace understanding, acceptance, joy, and playfulness into this world as much as I can. Now, if you find this podcast valuable and you'd like to say thank you by donating a few dollars per month, please sign up to support the podcast on Patreon. You can find details on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you or someone you love is struggling with severe anxiety, fear, grief, shame, chronic anger, depression... Or any mental, emotional, or even spiritual challenges, and you'd like some encouragement, support, and some tools that can help, please reach out to me at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. Let's talk. I am here for you, and it won't cost you a thing. And now, how about a blast from the past with one of my favorite infant episodes from days gone by? Here you go. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? You. The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who religion, do you? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with, with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything. This world of money.
1: Look for the good in everything Look for the people who will set your soul free It always
2: seems impossible until it's done
1: Look for the good in everyone
2: More than 40% of the American population, if opinion polls are to be believed, uh, think that the world is less than 10,000 years old, and uh, that's a a shocking figure. Um, It shows uh, deep, profound ignorance. It sounds very laudable to uh, to teach the controversy, to teach both theories, but there aren't two theories. There's only one theory around. There's only one one game in town, as far as serious science is concerned. Of course, you get negative reactions from creationists, but who cares about creationists? They don't know anything. (laughs)
3: I don't know if there's a God. That's all I can say, honestly, is I don't know. Some people think that they know that there isn't. That's a weird thing to think you can know. Yeah, there's no God. Are you sure? Yeah, no, there's no God. How do you know? Because I didn't see him. How do you... There's a vast universe you can see for about 100 yards when there's not a building in the way. How could you possibly... Did you look everywhere? Did you look in the downstairs bathroom? Where did you also... No, I didn't see him yet. I haven't seen 12 Years a Slave yet. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just don't wait until it comes on
2: There are other reasons for being religious, uh, like moral reasons or or people sometimes feel they have a personal relationship with God or with Jesus or with Muhammad or whatever it is. Um, And that kind of reason for being religious would not in itself be undermined by Darwinism. But um, it's quite wrong to believe that science reduces humanity, that science somehow gives you a bleak, cold, empty... Uh, barren view of the, of the universe and of life quite the contrary science is enriching and fulfilling
3: I think if there is a God I don't know if it's the one in the Bible because that's a weird story it's, he's our father and we're his children that's it our father who art in heaven where's our mother what happened to our mom what did he do to our mom
2: What's going to happen when I die? If I met God in the unlikely event after I died, I think the first thing I'd say is, well, which one are you? Are you Zeus? Are you Thor? Are you Baal? Are you Mithras? Are you Yahweh? Uh, Which God are you? Um, And uh, why did you take such great pains to conceal yourself and to hide away from us? (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is Infants on
4: Throne.
0: Hello, I'm Glenn Ostland. Welcome back to another profanity-laced episode of Infants on Thrones. I mean, this isn't going to be exactly like watching an episode of Deadwood or The Sopranos, but it may get a little close, so consider yourself warned. Now, the idea for this episode basically started with Louis C.K. hosting Saturday Night Live last week. Now, Louis C.K. is Randy's favorite comedian... And he said some things about God and atheists that we thought would stimulate a nice conversation. And we weren't wrong. So sit back and enjoy the discussion between myself, Jake. One
5: day, and I am just this everything above my knees and below my belly button. is just the worst no. shit you've ever seen in your life. It's awful. <laughs> no. One day. I'm, Randy.
6: I'm not the only one. <laughs> is that That's normal. I'm so glad to hear that's normal. Because oh, one day, and my crotch is stanky. And Bob. (laughs) This can't make it into the final cut.
0: (laughs) As we talk about God and stuff. But first, let's jump back a few minutes to our episode Between Two Jakes, because Jake had some things to say in that episode about materialists, with a little help from me, that really irked Randy's chain. And trust me, the last thing you ever want to do is irk Randy's chain. Mm
5: I would say my hunch is with materialism, but I'm kind of a hopeful for dualism, because the thought of non-existence is terrifying. Why? Because, it's, it's, because it is it's it is because terrifying. That's all I know is existence. And like I like existing. It's fun.
7: Shiny, happy
5: so just leave the possibility open is... I, I think so. ...is dualism. I so think dualism so. is the more inclusive... Materialism seems pretty exclusive. You gotta be you gotta interpret it this way, or you're not a materialist. Yeah, and, and I kinda meant to be pejorative because I think people who are strict materialists
0: are assholes? You think they're assholes, Brother Jake? I think really? they're
5: assholes. No, I think that, that I think they're I think that they're fooling themselves on what you can actually know and and what i what i'm saying is like a true materialist i think a true materialist would recognize the limitations of their knowledge and i think the limitations of the knowledge is this is probably true this is probably how it is but there's there but there is no objective measure to to eliminate any doubt about this <laughs> Officially, take this opportunity to apologize to Randy for calling materialists assholes because I think he's brought that up like four times.
6: <laughs> I just i was in Vegas at the time, it just like blew up on top of itself when you said materialists are assholes. And I was like, this punk kid doesn't even know what the fuck he's talking about, <laughs> and I was you know, I was already drunk and uh, in Vegas, and so it kind of became bigger than it was, but. You're so fucking talented Jake that i can't <laughs> I can't stay mad at you
5: <laughs> oh I
0: appreciate
5: it well the thing is I bet I bet we agree on like ninety five percent of of everything oh I hope not I, I mean not not everything i bet like about about
6: i mean well, it's a 5% talking five about Glenn God I bet. talk about yeah
5: about in this in this conversation I bet we agree about the vast majority of what we're what we're saying I think we just draw slightly different conclusions I think most of it's just I mean, it's just pedantic. It's just a difference in how we say it or state it.
6: Yeah, and, um, and really, uh, you know, bottom line is we don't live our lives any differently. Right. Yeah. It sounds like Jake's channeling Louis C.K., actually. Like, if if Louis
8: C.K. was having a conversation with Randy and, and had a vested interest in having a relationship with Randy— because she probably doesn't give a flying fuck about Randy, actually. But if no, he did, that'd be he would my sound dream. yeah, yeah. But if 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 Kate like, did care like, about Randy, he would sound like Jake, being like, "Hey, you know, we're probably not that that different after all. Even if I have this reoccurring bit where I talk about how uh, atheists are so certain that God doesn't exist, and it bugs me a little bit."
0: So, so let, let me ask the because I, I, I know Randy considers himself an, an atheist. Uh, what do you, Bob?
8: No, I consider myself, if I have to uh, say it in so many words, I, I, I like, I, I'm the guy who does the percentage breakdown. I, I've been usually going with 80-20. Like, I'm 80% atheist and 20% agnostic. And then here's where Randy groans and says, that's not possible, or use this definition. You're not saying it right. So whatever that, Like, what's the
6: official stance term for that? I don't know. Um, a, uh, atheist is a knowledge claim. Uh, um, So, or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Atheist is a belief claim. So you're a without theist belief in a personal God. So you're without belief. It doesn't say that it does not categorically say that you say that there is no God. It says you're without belief in a God. Agnostic is a knowledge claim. You're a without gnosis knowledge. You're you're saying that um, you don't know if there's a God. So there are two different... Um, claims. And so you can be an agnostic theist saying it's not knowable, but I believe in a personal God. Uh, you can be an um, agnostic atheist, which is what I am. It's not knowable, but I'm not, I'm without belief. Um, and then my, my older brother says, I'm an atheist, atheist. <laughs> It's not <laughs> See, that's what but I'm I know talking it. About <laughs> right. well, it, but but you could uh, it, uh, like if my brother could be on here, he would parse it out, and he would just intellectually beat the shit out of everybody. Sure. Um, um,
0: let's establish a common baseline and 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 system of measurement, and let's go to Dawkins' formulation on this. His because um,
6: the one to seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the what did what did he call it? It was his scale of agnosticism, something like that. Um, that's yeah, in the, you the God
6: you wrote a whole blog post about it. Yeah. I thought you did your research.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, it was a while ago. So, so one is a, a strong theist, and that's 100% probability of a God. Um, so in the words of Carl Jung, I do not believe, I know. N- number two is de facto theist. Very high probability, but short of 100%. I don't know for certain, but I strongly believe in God and live my life on the assumption that he is there. Number three is leaning towards theism, higher than fifty percent, but not very high. And this is where I think like Bob's eighty twenty stuff comes in. So I I, I think I know where Bob's going to fall on this. Oh. So so leaning towards theism, uh, higher than fifty percent. I'm very uncertain, but I'm inclined to believe in God. Then four is completely impartial. This is the guy that's lukewarm, sits on the fence. He gets spat out. <laughs> you know, God's existence and non existence are exactly equi probable. Uh, Number five, leaning towards atheism, lower than 50%, but not very low. I do, uh, I do not know whether God exists, but I'm inclined to be skeptical. Number six is a de facto atheist, very low probability, but short of zero. I don't know for certain, but I think God is very improbable, and I live my life on the assumption that he's not there. And then number seven is strong atheist. I know there is no God with the same conviction as Jung knows that there is one. So, like, when I read this, and I, and I read this probably four or five years ago in The God Delusion, and at first, like, where I wanted to be was, like, around a three, you know, like, on that, yeah, there probably is a, 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 a God. Like, I'm not sure, but I'm going to lean there. But when I read through and I got down to six, the thing that tripped me up was I live my life on the assumption that he's not there. I'm like, crap, that totally describes me.
6: I'm not doing anything <laughs> And really, isn't that all that matters? Yeah, right.
0: Right. So so you know, like Dawkins described himself as a six, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm just like Richard Dawkins here. Yeah, it was kind of a, a mind blowing uh, experience for me. And I still fought it, you know. I mean, I, I thought, but I want to be, I want to believe, I want to, but it, yeah. wasn't, it well, wasn't enough to really, I mean, I still, I, you know, I, I'm interested in exploring other explanations for God, but I don't know, I mean, I, I, it, it doesn't change the way I live my life.
6: Well, I think uh, most people live on the spectrum between two and six. And I think when an atheist is arguing, arguing against theism, He's usually arguing uh, of a straw man of a one, and when a theist is arguing against an atheist, he's arguing against the straw man of a seven. Right. And and that's that's where the rhetoric comes in, and and that's where Louis C.K. comes in right here. Yeah. And he's he's doing it for laughs, and he's you know, he's trying to appeal to a large audience. And you know, I give him a pass on this.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? A, a pass? pass? Yeah. Yeah. What is that?
5: What are you talking <laughs> about? Give him a pass? What if you didn't give him a pass? What would you be doing? Exactly.
8: I would be outraged. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so thanks. you are a seven a man
5: is outraged. You can't like city.
8: You, you would not like me straw when I'm a man. Angry. We don't need a straw man because we have Randy, right? Because <laughs> like, oh, who in the right mind would Bob, be outraged? Really? No, I'm just saying, forget it's Louis C.K. and not somebody that you have a, a crush on otherwise. Like, it's just some shithead who said that. And then you're outraged, right? Because you don't have all of the, what's the positive term for baggage when it's a good thing? You know, all of the backstory or fondness for this comedian that I know you really, I don't, I don't want to say look up to, but, uh, respect and admire. Um, yeah. if that weren't all there,
6: then you would be super pissed, right? Well, if all I have is a statement, that's all I have to go on. But with Louis CK, I have this whole body of work to go on. Yeah. Uh, and then to take it in context. And I think, you know that's unfortunate with online interactions is 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 when we like uh, confront someone all we have is what they're saying if we've never if we don't know anything about them i think that's why we treat our family different if they say things than if somebody posted on on our infants on on com. Right. we don't know anything about that person other than what they're saying and we're going to go off that and that's all we got
0: well that raises a different dimension of question for me but but like what when you say that you'd be outraged by it. Right. Because for me, I would just be like, I don't care. Like it doesn't really impact me one way or the other. He can say what he wants.
8: Yeah, me too. And And if it's funny and he's supposed to be funny and it's funny, then I'm, then that's just as much a reason to give it a quote unquote pass Thing. And that's all part of it.
0: And, and, oh, okay. and I kind of feel that way about some of the comments that we get on our website, too. But I've noticed, Randy, you'll go off. So you will get outraged. So I'm like wondering, what, what's get, that? I, what's
6: I've, the, I've been outraged once. Exactly yeah. once. And and that was in defending your honor, Thank by you. the way. <laughs> it seriously was. a yeah. guy yeah. called your editing... Uh, what do you call it? Absolutely ridiculous. It was, oh, he was the one
0: th- we, we kind of played with on one of the episodes. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, we weren't it, funny. Was,
6: it, when, when somebody... Like, attacks me, I will take it less personally than when someone attacks a friend of mine.
0: So, so then when Louis C.K., and again, we're saying it's just some anonymous comedian that's making this statement against atheists, you, you would be outraged because of your friends, like the community of atheists, as being besmirched?
6: No, I would just say that—I I don't think I'd be outraged. I think outrage is a little strong, but I would say <laughs> that, is, that is a straw man. He, I mean, he did. He used a yeah. straw man. And and I would have been I would have gone after it as a straw man, yeah. but if somebody presented it as funny as he did, <laughs> yeah, I would have been right. like, I would have applauded the humor. Yeah. Uh, but if they were strident and, and and creating the same straw man, it's a different, totally different context.
0: So so if if, if we're looking at the scale of one to seven, I'm a six, Randy. I think you're a six. Um,
8: where, where are you, Bob? I think you're a six i'm probably a six i want to like just to be different be like i'm between five i'm like five, <laughs> five. Yeah, you, you oh, don't, it, like, don't on parse the, it out that i know okay,
0: on the I, movie I, rating sh- scale yeah,
5: they already gave they already gave you a seven point rating scale you don't have yeah. to cut it yeah. in tiny pieces i just
8: don't want to be put in a box with randy and glenn because well. it's just then i'm not original there you go oh. what about you jake uh probably six Oh, okay. That, we're all yeah, in this together. Is that, yeah, we're all in this together. Is
0: that recent? Do, do we need to go and get more fours? We need to go and get more threes? <laughs> oh,
6: <No, laughs> great. <laughs> but
0: Matt,
6: but, would, uh, Matt would probably but, say, Oh, I'm 6.5.
0: Yeah, he's, well, he's, he, but he's been six for a while. So, what, uh, is it recent for you, Jake, to be six? Or is, have you been well, this way for a while?
5: No, nah, it's been this way for a while. I'd say for at least the past year, I've been at the point where I think it's, I, I find it incredibly unlikely. Some probability that's incredibly small, but le- but greater than zero that God exists. But there's nothing that I've seen that would dic- that would necessitate some god-like figure. So, and it, uh, and I think the key point is it doesn't like I don't, it doesn't change the way I live my life. So that's I mean I think that's really where the rubber meets the road is. It doesn't matter for me in any sort of substantive, practical way.
0: And I wish that element was present in each one of these seven. You know, like, how would you scale that on on, on a seven-point scale the way that it impacts your life? Because it's really only present in number six. Uh, and number two, that, that I, I live my life on the assumption that he is, is there. But, you know, three, four, five, it doesn't it, – it, the way they live their life isn't even addressed.
6: So, Jay, can we just get this out of the way? Yeah. Because, you know, we've had this feud for a while. Right. Uh, Mostly on my side. Uh, So, Why? Can you explain why you said, you know, because your initial reaction when Glenn uh, uh, defined materialists, you said, I think they're assholes. Can you uh, elaborate on that further, please?
5: Well, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, On what I, I guess on one hand... I think it's – what I was trying to get at was I think it's it's kind of presumptuous to say that the – to take just such a – it seemed like a narrow view to just say anything I can see or measure scientifically or quantify is the measurement of everything that there is. And that's – and I think that I was kind of maybe – Attacking a straw man. I'm sure I was attacking. I was attacking like the sevens on the scale um, and attacking kind of a straw man of that. So could you explain your definition of of materialism? Because I think part of the, the fact that you're taking that you took it personally was. I mean, the fact well, that you took The word it asshole.
6: Is... The word asshole is why I took it personally.
5: <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no, no. The, 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 word, the reason you took it personally is because I said materialist, and you associated that with yourself, right? I could have said—
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a materialist and a naturalist, yeah. Right, right. So could you explain that definition
5: for you in your life? Well, how, you, how you see it and how you view it?
6: I think the, the most uh, pertinent area of scientific research— in this area is the uh, argument between what is the mind is the mind, the material brain, mm. or is there something metaphysical uh, outside of the material brain? Mm. And I think that well, I don't think that, but uh, the consensus of um, neurologists and um, uh, all the research, every single discovery has shown that The mind is the material brain, and so I don't think there's a a ghost in the machine, and I think the research backs that up. You know, there is there has not been one single discovery that has not pointed to the conclusion that the material brain is not the mind, and so it's not it's not a positive claim, which is which is what I think that you, um, uh, you know, interpreted from what Glenn. Uh, defined materialism as it's not a positive claim that that there is no metaphysical reality it's that there is no evidence of it so at this point in time um, i'm going to take the responsible de facto position that uh there is you know you know you're gonna have to if if you say that there's something besides the material brain then there is a fundamental flaw in the law in in all, all that we know about physics
8: but can I, can I interject here? Mm, yeah. I, th- I think the issue and where the
6: assholery
8: sort of shines through a little bit with stuff like this is that phrase, there is no evidence, just being this trump card that's used in the same context regardless of the subject matter. Because if you were to stack rank uh, brain research with all sorts of other human progress, it's like a little baby compared to practically anything else. So the fact that there is no evidence is like, yeah, there's no evidence, but what are we on a, on a sliding scale of, you know, how far we are into brain research? It's like, we don't know shit. So, sure, there's no evidence, but it's not the same thing as there's no evidence of, name
6: any other example of something there's no evidence of.
5: Horses in pre-Columbian America. <laughs>
8: There you yeah. go. Uh,
6: eventually, right. someday, we will find uh, evidence of horses in pre-Columbia. Yeah, that's exactly the—actually, Bob, that's a great analogy. <laughs> so I guess uh, you're arguing for the apologists? Uh, no, so, I'm
8: just so, saying— I'm just saying
6: that there is—there's n- nothing out there. Uh, you know, Psy Research, which is the, uh, you know, the research into paranormal— um, activity, uh, for, it has been around for over a hundred years and they have found nothing above noise. And so, you know, there's no reason for me to believe anything other than the material brain.
0: Can can I, can I ask, is there any reason for you to entertain claims of evidence?
6: Um, I, I would put that under the category of wishful thinking. You want it to be true. And so you find it fascinating. I don't.
5: Okay, well, uh, I can see – I think I would agree with you in a certain extent to say that the preponderance of evidence seems to favor that the material – the, the alignment of the neurons in our, in our brain is what dictates consciousness. And I would, and I would agree with that. Um, but I, I think that um, rhetorically, a lot of times the claims of materialism are made a little bit stronger than that.
6: Yeah, and a lot of times that's like kind of exactly. a knee-jerk reaction to uh, the hardcore claims on the other side.
5: Right, right. And so we're all kind of reacting to each other in real time. But I, I – so that that's kind of what I was – that's what what I was getting at when I said materials are assholes is is that, that moment when they make those very – those rhetorically very strong aggressive claims about the existence or non-existence of this or that when – they don't need to really. I mean, all they'd have to do is say, "Look, the preponderance, of, the overwhelming preponderance of evidence favors this explanation."
6: Yeah, and I think but that's a that, sufficiently
5: about, strong claim.
6: But when you're talking about rhetoric, and you're trying to win the hearts and minds of the public. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a tough game to play. Like uh, the big argument is: is should scientists debate like Bill Nye should have should he have debated uh, Ham? And you know what ultimately did it accomplish uh did it give a undeserving platform or did bill nye um convince people on the fence and that's an argument within the atheist community that just rages on and on and it's probably about 50 50 like 50 percent of the people think it's stupid waste of time gives them an an unearned uh, position and others you know the other half is like yeah well we need to we need to do something. We can't just let them say these crazy things without being challenged. And mm. so, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. And, and when you got a guy like Richard Dawkins who's, uh, whose job is public education, and then he sees in America that you know, states like Tennessee and Louisiana have passed creation in the science classroom laws, they start to get frustrated and they say things that are probably stronger than what they really believe. And you can understand that. And then people hone in on that and go, look, these guys are assholes. Yeah, but <laughs> – like,
5: okay. But with, with, uh, with Bill Nye and the Ken Ham debate, there was a really pivotal moment, I think, when Bill Nye said, asked Ken Ham, is there anything that, that would change your mind? And he said, no, it's the word of God. Nothing would change my mind.
7: Mr. Ham, a new question. Uh, this is a simple question, I suppose, but one that actually is fairly profound for all of us in our lives. What, if anything,
1: would ever change your mind? Hmm. Well, the answer to that question is, I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, I can't prove it to you. But God has definitely shown me very clearly uh, through his word and uh, shown himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible is the word of God. I admit that that's where I start from. I can challenge people that uh, you can go and test that. You can make predictions based on that. You can check the prophecies in the Bible. You can check the statements uh, in Genesis. Uh, You can check that. Uh, And I did a little bit of that tonight. And I can't ultimately prove that to you. All I can do is to say to someone, look, if the Bible really is what it claims to be, if it really is the word of God and that's what it claims, then check it out. And the Bible says if you come to God believing that he is, he'll reveal himself to you and you will know as christians we can say we know and so as far as the word of god is concerned no n- n- no one's ever going to convince me that uh, that the word of god I- I- is not true but i do want to make a distinction here and, and for bill's sake we build models based upon the bible and those models are always subject to change the fact of noah's flood is not subject to change the the model of how the flood occurred is subject to change uh because we, we observe in the, in, the, in the current world and, and we're able to uh, come up with maybe different ways this could have happened or that could have happened. And, and that's part of that scientific discovery. as part of what it's all about. Uh, so uh, the, the bottom line is that as a Christian, I have a foundation. But as a Christian, uh, I would ask Bill the question, what would, uh, what would change your mind? I mean, you said even if you came to faith, you'd never give up. Uh, believing in billions of years. I I think I I quote you correctly, you said something like that uh, recently. So that would be also my question to Bill. Time.
4: Time. Mr. Knight? Uh, We would just need one piece of evidence. We would need the fossil that swam from one layer to another. We would need evidence that the universe is not expanding. We would need evidence that the stars appear to be far away, but they're not. We would need evidence that rock layers can somehow form in just 4000 years instead of the extraordinary amount we would need evidence that somehow you can reset atomic clocks and keep neutrons from becoming protons you can bring on any of those things and you would uh, inf- you would change me I- immediately the question i have for you though fundamentally and for everybody watching mr ham what can you prove what you have done tonight is spent most of the t- all the time coming up with explanations about the past what can you really predict what can you really prove uh, in a conventional scientific or in a conventional i have an idea that makes a prediction and it comes out the way i see it can you show me any evidence on this empirical scale
5: and i will immediately change my position but they hey. can't and i think hey. that that's i think hey. that that's a that's a pivotal differentiation to make
6: hey jacob what well, you- <laughs> Were you there? You weren't there. Were you there?
8: Oh, it's come to this. <laughs> can, I, can I make another analogy?
5: What, what are we talking about?
6: Uh, I guess you didn't watch the debate. He said that like over and over and over. Observational science versus historical science. Uh, unless you were there to observe the, uh, the dinosaurs, then you can't really say for certain that the, that the dinosaurs existed 65 million years ago.
5: You yeah, that. I only watched clips of it. I didn't watch the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, so
8: I think the the I just want to go back to this phrase. And sorry if I'm preoccupied with it, but the phrase "there is no evidence." I think it's like the r- mirror image of the religious. The, I'm trying to think of the right religious phrase that's kind of the same thing. I think of like Mormons who, when you try to when you try to like give them a little nudge and be like, "Come on, you know, not drinking coffee is." It's, you know, that's, that's on a much smaller scale than murdering someone, right? But in the end, they're both breaking the tenets of whatever that make it so you can't go to the temple. Um, so it's the same thing, but it's a very different thing at the same time. And Mormons are assholes when they conflate the two, and they expect everyone to be totally okay with the fact that there's this scale of sins and they're all equal in the in the way that they, they you know, keep you far away from God or whatever. And I feel like the the mirror image of that on the atheist side is just saying there's no evidence for that. And using that answer for...
6: Bullshit, Bob. No, a hundred years, it. a fucking hundred years of, of research has been done on the brain. Every oh, single fucking it. conclusion has pointed to a material brain. This is not like, oh, you know, this is not like de facto. This is... It's not like uh, the coffee research. No, but, but just just hear me out philosophically. Like, you're saying 100
8: years, so we could parse that out. I, I think probably 80 of that 100 is, is probably much less relevant. Do you really think in 1915 brain research is really telling us much of you know, what we know today? Probably not. So brain research, I think, is like a little baby. And just saying there's no evidence of the, the spirit being separate from the mind is not as strong of a statement as there's no evidence of, name something else. I don't know, something that's not the brain. And I think it's kind of the same thing on the religious side. When you when you equate everything to the equal level of value by reducing it all to one phrase that's a catch-all, it makes it so you kind of come across as an asshole because you're not entertaining a scale at all.
6: Am I making uh, any sense? You're just taking a responsible position that... There is no evidence for it, so why should I, why should I uh, make any uh, unverifiable, unjustified, positive claims? Sure, you shouldn't make any unjustified, positive claims. But exactly, and, and, and atheists don't, on, by and large, they don't.
8: But they shouldn't, they shouldn't try to convert people to that stance for that particular aspect of their approach I think, I as think strongly all... as other things that are just like baby steps of science like maybe fight for evolution a little more strongly than fighting for materialism as an example because evolution um is something where
6: you have evidence where there's absolutely there's... I, I totally agree with you there but what the thing that atheists are mostly dealing with is not is there you know like like what? Louis, going back to Louis C.K., he's saying, "How could you possibly say there is no God? Have you been throughout the whole universe?" And so you, you often hear uh, the phrase, "You can't prove a negative." Well, that's actually not true. Um, I, it depends on the scope of your claim. If 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 I say there is no Coke, or there's there it, there is a no Coke in my or no Diet Coke in my fridge, I can absolutely prove that negative by opening the fridge and looking inside. But if the scope is the entire entirety of the universe, then no, you can't prove that there is no God hiding somewhere, you know, a hundred billion light years away. Uh, so no atheists are making that claim. And, but, but I think what most atheists are dealing with is what's the thing, the, the predominant thing in their culture. And in the United States, what's the predominant thing? Jesus Christ is God. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually say cheeseburgers. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ is God and he's a capitalist, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But the more specific you get with your claims about God, the more falsifiable it is. I know with 100% certainty that the Mormon God Elohim does not exist. Can I say with 100% certainty that there is no God in the universe? No. And I don't, I don't even pretend to make that claim. So the more specific people get with their claims, the more falsifiable it is. And that's really where the rubber meets the road in this instance is is dealing with uh, what matters in your culture and how specific the claims are to the God in your culture. And I think that's what atheists are mostly fighting against, not against some unfalsifiable deistic God out there, that's energy that we all can tap into.
0: Yeah, I, I had that experience when when I was reading through section one thirty two, um, and <clears throat> you know, I, I I've been going through this long, slow boil of faith crisis for a long time, but and and I guess I, I was so separated and distant from it that I didn't, I, I it didn't really mean much to me anyway. But but I started reading through one thirty two and thinking. Does this really sound like the voice of God coming through to me? You know, so like to, to, to your statement, Randy, that you know that that Mormon God Elohim isn't really out there, like, and, and having a very specific claim. Like for me, focusing on section one thirty-two, like in that moment, I was absolutely certain this is not coming from a God, the, or you know, or, or I guess my level of certainty was this is no God that I'm familiar with, or that I would worship, or that I would Revere, you know, or anything like that. So it, this this is a god, or a caricature of a god that I can throw out and um, you know reject. So
6: absolutely.
5: Well, I, I think I, I think that there's some. I don't I don't know exactly how this all fits in, and maybe we can hash this out. But I think that there's some interaction between how falsifiable or how falsifiable we think a claim is or the scope of a claim and the potential impact that that claim would have on your life. Like I feel like being able to falsify or the idea that there were no horses in in pre-Columbian America, falsifying that claim has a much different connotation and a much different weight um, than falsifying the claim that we have some sort of consciousness that's beyond the alignment of the neurons in our brain. And I think that we should take that into account in some way i don't know exactly how but
8: right because because this whole materialist versus dualist to me it's taking a stance on either either side it's it's a powerful powerful statement to say i'm a materialist because it precludes their their, it's like the buck stops here there's nothing more I can't entertain the other side. It's taking a stance. It's not taking a non stance. It's not an I don't know. It's an I know the other direction, which is stronger than saying I don't know, right?
6: It's making no. a big stance. No, not at all. Uh, unlike Glenn, I would love to live forever. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, you know, if I lost that, that uh, one true casserole podcast, they glossed over the death of that, that poor guy's daughter. I mean, she had a headache one day and was dead the next, and, and, and I almost lost my son to a drowning accident, and he was two. That would have been so almost insurmountable for me to overcome. And I would love, you know, if my son had drowned, I would love, I would, I would be so comforted by the idea that his something, his essence or whatever, lived on forever. I want to believe in immortality, but there, you know, show me some evidence that that there is. Okay, but I can't and, show and,
8: you evidence. But that doesn't mean you know. But then it's just there, wishful thinking. The, it's just wishful. It's just
6: wishful thinking at that point.
5: No, but when you say wishful thinking, you, you are implying that it's not true. When you say wishful thinking, there's definitely a connotation that you know it's not true, but you hope that it is.
6: I'm not saying that no, it's not true. I'm just saying I don't think that it is true. It's not probable that it's true but I would love for it to be true. And I, I would love for someone to come up with some evidence uh, of the material brain not being uh, the reality of the
8: situation. And what's Honestly, the evidence that the material brain is, is
6: only the material brain? Um, you know, every, every single uh, research shows that you alter a certain part of the brain, it alters the personality. And so... Uh, if there's anything beyond that, you know, you know, people the, like dualists believe that you could have done otherwise, if you know, because there's a ghost in the machine. And if they could somehow show, or, or you know, any kind of uh, psi research that that shows like um, um, uh, intuition or psychic abilities or anything like that, that would be evidence that there's something beyond the material brain, and the laws of physics as we know them. I mean, we're not talking just about neurology. We're talking about physics. Mm-hmm. And if they could demonstrate that, there is something that uh, there's something there that we don't understand and it's reproducible, uh, I would be thrilled. I'm not, I'm not this curmudgeon that is rooting against anything that shows any evidence of immortality. But so far as the research has shown for the last, okay, Bob, you're, it's true, uh, the last 20 years in neurology have really been the most important. Um, if if somebody could show anything that we are somehow immortal, I would actually find comfort in that. Me too. Yeah, right. I, I
8: agree with that for sure. And And I think it's that aspect of this topic that's so powerfully... Um, personal to people. Because the problem with God is that it's kind of a meaningless catch-all word that, you know, when Louis C.K. makes his funny bit, you could turn it right around against him and be like, okay, how do I know? Why don't you tell me one thing beyond the word God that describes what that means to you, and I'll tell you why it's bullshit or why it's just made up in your head and it's different. I mean, everybody views God in some different way, and it's kind of a meaningless starting point. But the but the distinction between materialism and dualism, at least, I'm just speaking for myself, but I think I can speak for all of humanity. Let's just be, no. Um, I, I just want to say that I think that it's a stronger, it's a stronger personal um, thing to be closed off to just say I'm a materialist. I think since there's no evidence, there's no ghost in the machine, that's, that's a thing that you're taking away from people something more tangible in terms of hope and belief than, than God. Because God, to me, is kind of meaningless. But to say that there's nothing beyond um, this concept of uh, the brain being only the brain and that's it, that's like, so, kicking, so that's so like kicking me in the balls way more than saying there is no God. It's like, <laughs> there is no God, that's fine. But don't tell me that you know in the same way you, know, you think you know there's likely not a God that there's likely not something more to the brain, because I think we know more as humans why there's likely not a god for like infinitely more reasons than we know anything about why
6: the undiscovered parts of the brain couldn't uncover something more. Yeah, but the what's what's Bob? What's going to lead to more advancements for the human race? Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking or uh, accepting that the brain is material and trying to forge forward with that assumption and that's where all the fucking research is making breakthroughs
0: well it's it's the i mean i i think it's wishful thinking and and it's testing ideas and looking at the conclusions and going where the the evidence takes you but i think that's fueled by wishful thinking so like my my issue when you talk about that's just wishful thinking it sounds like it's a real pejorative thing to me and and i keep thinking of uh Neil deGrasse Tyson in Cosmos. Have you guys been totally loving that show?
8: I need oh, to watch it. It's, D- it's DVR'd, but I haven't started it, oh it yet. Oh my
0: gosh. I, I
6: missed tonight because I absolutely this. love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the first three. I think tonight was the fourth one. Yep. came on. But, you know, so he goes around in this spaceship of the imagination. And what is that if it's not wishful thinking?
6: Mm-hmm. It's not wishful thinking. It's educational. I mean, they're, he's trying to. Take people's imagination to these places where scientists' imagination is gone, and he's trying to make it accessible to the average person. Yeah, but but
0: but he he was talking in the second episode about this guy Bruno that had a concept of the universe that was completely different from anyone else. The, and was, that was in the first. Was that episode, in the first episode? Okay. Yeah. Um, and and to me, like I, I don't understand the distinction between wishful thinking in the case of bruno where he had this vision and you know i mean he was reading some ancient texts forbidden texts and and
6: you know yeah, saw and some had, things in there his his great line was your god is too small yeah right that was brilliant right that was awesome right
0: and, and you know but it, it's pushing the envelope and so like if if materialism and the bounds of materialism are the envelope I'm a big fan of continuing to push that. And so, like, to me, it is the wishful thinking that pushes that.
6: You have no idea how much you're aligning with Dan Witherspoon, by the way. Why? That's exactly what he's pushing for. That's exactly what we argued for for 12 and a half hours that was edited down to six. Wait, but what? No, what, yeah. whatever. Whatever Dan Withers there. there. Were that, you that's there? always
0: like you, you, went you, <laughs> you went there. That's always like your your big cut down to me is there? I like, know, right? Like Dan it's like Randy's like,
8: like I disagree with you, so you're like Dan Withers. <laughs> like yes. Jesus, we can
6: have a conversation my, yeah. if that's my, <laughs> <laughs> my go-to ad hominem. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Well, after wishful
6: thinking. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's uh, okay. If God, I'm. Sorry. <clears throat> if the evidence was pushing in that direction, scientists would go in that direction. Psi research has been around and you know Bob you, you know we talked about how uh, neurology in the last 20 years has been the most important, but psi research has been going on for over a century and they haven't produced anything. And scientists would get a Nobel Prize if they could find something in the paranormal. But, right,
8: but- but, Randy, but they're, they're following
6: the evidence, and, and, and guess what? The, the direction that they're going is leading to results. It's leading towards artificial intelligence. It's leading towards people, uh, or technology that will allow people without an arm to feel their arm and to use a mechanical arm, uh, you know, to improve their lives. Uh, right. you know, it, it, the, the The science, science will follow... Where it fruits the the fruits lie, and right now the fruits lie within the material brain, and they're making amazing uh, you know progress in this in this area.
5: Well, okay, but, so that that's that's where I was kind of going with this idea that the stakes of the stakes of like the subtext of whatever assertion you're making should determine at, at what where's the threshold of being able to prove that negative, because if there's a if if there's a an outlandish claim that like oh you know we'll be able to do interstellar space travel or something, pursuing that the subtext of that is we should pursue that right and pursuing that will produce all these positive externalities pro- externalities that can be measured in other push forwards in pushes forward in space exploration NASA that type of thing, but if there's some sort of assertion that says the, the Book of Mormon is real therefore you should give ten percent of your money to this corporation. Then the subtext of that, I mean that 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 normative um, implication of that assertion has a much higher cost and doesn't have as much benefits. And so, there's, does that make sense? Like, there should be a different threshold based on what the implications of the the assertion are.
8: Right, I agree. And so, let's let's apply that spectrum to somebody being a dualist instead of a materialist and still wanting to be a scientist or
6: something. Um, you know, What's, I don't. I don't care if you're a duelist scientist. If you do good science, you do good science. I think what I think the the biggest thing that people like me are fighting against is dogma, because dogma halts progress, and and that's I think that's really what the fight is about. You know, you can believe whatever the fuck you want to believe, but if it interferes, if you if if your dogmatic belief interferes with the process then get the fuck out of the game and that's all that matters that's all that fucking matters yeah but then i guess
8: just to be careful because i I don't want you to take this the wrong way but don't we also don't want to fight dogma with other dogma right and that's i know that that you're gonna you're gonna say that that's mischaracterizing
0: that's such a Weatherspoon comeback (laughs)
8: Um, Well, that's exactly what Darren Weathersman would
6: say.
7: (laughs) Here's the thing about filling in for Randy.
6: Here's the thing about the scientific community is they're all enemies and that's all good. They all want to disprove each other. Like nobody's on the same side. They're they basically have to prove their shit uh, with the data and and nobody loves more uh, like No scientist loves more than to disprove What is a consensus Or the preponderance of uh, Belief amongst scientists So the, just the whole Competitive nature of science Is actually a good thing uh, You don't have uh, 70 ti- or times 2 plus 12 Plus 3 all on the same page With an agenda
0: So Randy help, know, help me understand Or help me remember <coughs> Sorry Help me remember, because a couple of years ago, we, we were lucky enough to sit down and have lunch with Sam Harris. And you follow Sam Harris, read his stuff much more than than I do. But I found it a fascinating conversation, especially when he talked about his experience, um, you know, go, going to to Asia, meditation, uh, all those kinds of things. Where what what I remember from him was that he wished that science would explore these issues um, and take them more seriously than they actually do. Is that a fair characterization? Am I I just reading, like remembering that the way I want to remember it? Or is that, is that his position on things?
6: Well, the way you stated it to me was uh, you said, I think you Randy thought you were in a debate, but I don't think Sam Harris did.
0: (laughs) Well, that was you guys were talking about something completely different
6: that, that that was before yeah, we well, even went down was, for lunch. What he was uh, what he was talking, or uh, actually, what I called him out on was, you know, why why <laughs> does he have? He was calling out Sam Harris? <laughs> I was. <laughs> this is who we're up against here? <laughs> uh, he has, uh, kind of, what sort of I'm looking for?
0: Weatherspoon esque.
6: No, he has Danish tiny penis. <laughs> He has um a soft spot in his heart, and I couldn't think of a better way to say it. Uh there is a better way to say it. But he has a affinity. A soft, uh, yeah, but affinity was a little too strong. Okay. <laughs> uh with a, a researcher named Sheldrake. Okay. And uh Sheldrake has done some studies on dog intuition. And uh, you know, that stuff has been analyzed and torn apart and, and shown that it was Nothing above noise, and so I called him out on that, and and then he called um, uh, J- uh, James Randi, uh, magician skeptic, right, uh, saying that he was um, unreasonable and and that there was uh, no
0: so. So James Randi is the one that has what is it, the million dollar
6: the million dollar challenge. challenge. If you can, if you can show, if you can demonstrate. Psychic uh, ability. Empir- empirically, psych, any kind of paranormal, yeah. any kind. Yeah. That, that's divining rods or psychic or anything like that. Then he'll give a million dollars. And the million dollars is there. It's, it, was, it was donated by a billionaire, and uh, it's in a trust fund. And it's there, and, and nobody's been able to do that. But uh, Sam Harris thinks that uh, there is a stigma in the scientific community of anyone who wants to push the envelope like you guys are saying.
0: Or, or, or I, that the deck is kind of stacked against anybody who would try because it's it's like an unwinnable. Like how, how would you demonstrate those things? How would you prove it?
6: Like anything yeah. else in fucking science, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Really, well, I don't. Know. I think it's so. I <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> well, but it, it is hard. That's it. what makes it science. Make it reproducible. <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh great well
6: I, I think
5: i think you're underestimating – you I, I think you have this overly utopian view of the scientific academic community that the, you know there's it's just this it. this pure marketplace of ideas and there's no politics and there's no oh, suppression okay. of ideas or groupthink and i
6: just think that's that's totally unrealistic it's not i don't you're that's a straw man i don't <laughs> think that it's utopian i don't think that there's not politics i don't think that there's not professors out there that are worried about their tenure and may falsify their evidence. But overall, uh, I think it all shakes out and it's the best thing that we have. And it's, it's, it's delivered the fucking goods uh-huh. oh, yeah. Has praying, deliver the goods. No, this, this whole process, this messy political process of, of all this, all, you know, all this human error and all this, you know, agendas and all that stuff. In the end, it all washes out and it produces the goods
5: it 's the convergence idea right that you were talking about in the last in the NOAA podcast
6: right yeah, yeah convergence is a really interesting actually, I, I recommend everybody to uh, listen to the radio lab uh, episode on convergence it 'll blow your mind awesome
0: which, which one was that was, was that the one where with the guy who guessed the number of beans? and it was like the 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 average of everybody's guesses
6: yeah that's part of it okay. part of it was uh, eo wilson and the ants and how all the, i mean, like you take one single ant and they're the stupidest thing you could oh, ever meet right. but as
0: a group yeah yeah but
6: as a group they you know emergence comes out and they become an organism as a group and it's amazing and, what they can do.
0: And the, the the fireflies or something like that that all, like, would fluctuate at the same time. I think right. that's how it started out. Yeah, that was a great episode. You're right.
6: And that's, yeah. that's kind of the leading um, hypothesis. It's not a theory because it hasn't been proven, uh, and we're just starting to learn about consciousness. But I think that's the leading theor- hypothesis on um, consciousness is that it, there's some kind of emergence with all the, uh, you know, the firings and the neurons. Mm. So
8: I, I really like the way you phrase that, Randy. When you said science is is the best we've got. I mean, with all of the politics and all of the drama and and all of the variants and issues that that come out of you know humans being humans as they work together or whatever, it's it's a it's a great system. It's it's the it's the right approach. I think that's a very that's a great way of of phrasing it. And it's not like we're putting science up on a pedestal to be no. kicked around because, there, because of there course, are so we... many,
6: I could give you so many stories. Like there's a guy in Korea that just totally falsified all of his evidence on, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the thing that was, um, that George Bush outlawed, um, stem cells, stem cell. Yeah. He completely falsified all of his evidence on stem cell research and, 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 and everyone was really excited about the possibilities of stem cell research and then when it came out that he had, had uh, completely made all that shit up, they, it was like there was blood in the water and all the sharks came to attack him. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. And now stem cell research hasn't really yielded much uh, over the last 20 years. And, and, and so it's a messy, messy system. And, uh, you know, Jake, it's not, I do not have a, a Pollyanna view of science—it's not that way. But that—what else do we have? No, no, I agree.
5: I mean, and it has delivered the goods. If you look at—you know, you just just look at the quality of life. Think about it. What, like the worst thing that could happen to me? My version of hell is being pushed back in time, like a hundred years. Like. I would fucking kill myself. That is, that would suck so <laughs> bad. Can you imagine
3: that? No, no electricity, no I antibiotics.
5: <laughs> I would kill myself. Like there would no, no way. Or I'd just become like a. I'd become like the the that guy in Chicago that killed like a million people in this weird death house.
0: Did,
5: Remember that? The there was devil like a book, in the
0: White City. Devil in the White yeah, City.
5: Right. Yeah. Because anyway, but what I'm saying is, science has delivered the goods. All, right, all our lives are just incredible because of scientific breakthroughs and the scientific process. But.
6: And, that, and that's all that's, – uh, really, that's all Richard Dawkins wants. I mean he, he has a lot of rhetoric out there and, and uh, you know people could point to stuff on YouTube. But all he wants is for the scientific process uh, to go forward as best as possible. And if we teach creationism in the classroom as if it's science in America – uh, we are going to stunt our contribution uh, to the forwarding of that uh, endeavor. But you would you would concede that uh, some
8: science, you, you kind of the pick your battles argument. Um, maybe I'm I'm rehashing what I what I've already said a few times. But some science is stronger and more relevant and more of a of a thing to hitch your wagon to um, when trying to you know bring people to the light so to speak in the same way that in religion there are certain things that are more ridiculous than other things and we need to parse them out we can't just treat it all as bullshit equally on the same playing field um just philosophically i I know religion uh, in in general is all bullshit but it's different types of bullshit and you start with smaller pieces and move to larger ones and with science you, you can't You can't just treat everything as, you know, there is no evidence of this and use that for for every type of approach when you're trying to show people why it's relevant to them and and how how they should embrace it. Because otherwise, you run this risk of taking away from them something that wasn't going to hurt anyone anyway. I'm, I'm not
6: looking. Okay, that's the thing. Materialists aren't evangelicals. Like, it's just a personal thing. You know, we're not out there to try to take away other people's beliefs. Uh, okay, uh, I, I don't know why why you think that's the case. Is it like because I'm a materialist? I just want to destroy everybody else's belief. No, but if their beliefs start to impede on public policy, fuck yeah, I will fight against that shit. Does that make sense? Yeah.
8: Jake, you were going to say something. <laughs> uh,
6: I, can't, I can't. Jake, you take it's it. It's just a personal. It's a, it's a personal opinion. We're not evangelicals. We're not sending you know sixty thousand missionaries out to preach materialism. It's a personal right. philosophical position.
5: Well, well I, I think Bob was kind of getting at well, what I got from what Bob was saying was. When you say there is no evidence, and kind of lean on that excuse over and over, not not excuse excuse, <laughs> not, not that excuse, but if you lean on that rationale over and over and over, I think it breeds the same type of complacency that oh, it was God does, and that's the problem. Is is the the, the problem with with creationism? T- the problem that I have with creationism, the problem that I had with you know the, the conversation that we had with Mike Tannehill about the Noah thing, is that religious. I feel like this religious thinking and this creationist type thinking, it really breeds a sort of mental complacency and a, just a disposition to throw anything you don't understand up to some sort of unquantifiable unknown deity and not really try to engage it. And that's, that's what I think is the real problem with, with that is that, is people are becoming intellectually lazy because they're using the shortcut of God to get out of having to really engage and understand the universe around them. I think that's the, that's the main problem.
6: So the cafeteria saying, empiricism or whatever you called it before. Empiricism. Yeah. So are yeah. you saying materialists are equally lazy. He said that there's a, there's
5: a danger. No, but I think that they, they can be lazy. If, if it, it can be lazy, if, if you want to disprove something, disprove it. But, you know, if if there is the lack of evidence, don't use that as a lot, as as
8: a lightning rod every time, right? Well, right. I so think, how, and I think the word how, that you how used, Jake, ch-
0: was engage. That, that that you feel like it's a crutch against in, engaging, or it, it's like a wall that they put up. So we're not going to engage in it because there is no evidence, and then that's where the complacency or the danger for complacency comes in. Is that right. what you are saying? So,
5: Well, well, yeah. So I'm I'm approaching it from from a data science perspective. So I'm my my background, my educational background is is statistics and data science. And the thing is, we're very careful in in statistics. You want to be very careful about stating what you know and what you don't know and what you can know and what you can't know. And And so
6: what about about responsible default positions?
5: Oh, well, I mean, uh, uh, what do you mean a responsible default position?
6: Uh, A position that uh, you are not taken aside either way until the evidence points uh, strongly in one direction or the other.
5: Well I mean you can you can set your null hypothesis to be whatever you want, but you should have a good idea of what types of of evidence you would see as being credible and why and what you would yeah. see as being significant and why and I think that Randy, and I don't think we, I don't think that see when I said it, it it can breed complacency, you immediately took it to say so you're saying the materials are lazy and I didn't say that I mean i, no, all I was I'm saying I was, is that I
6: was reacting to what Bob said.
5: Right. Okay. Well, uh, what I'm saying, I'm not saying that they're lazy, but I think that the the problem here, the problem that I see is is failure to engage, is using these these types of shortcuts as a crutch to not really engage and understand and understand the extent of your knowledge and the limits of your knowledge and being able to communicate that effectively. I think is what's more important. We don't want to. And similar to what Bob was saying, you know, you don't want to fight dogma with dogma. You don't want to fight an unfounded certainty with another unfounded certainty.
6: Well you, well, you know
5: mean-
6: what? Uh, duelists need to earn their fucking positions. Earn <laughs> your position, and then I will engage.
8: No, but here's the thing, Randy. I'm, I struggle with considering myself a duelist because I don't know that. Um, I hope for it because I'm human and I come from a religious background and we've been over that. But then that's the same reason I struggle with... With the, the multiple choice test only having an A or B, because I, I want the C of I don't I, I I'm not ready to answer. I don't know. I don't know the right. And that's formulation. perfectly
6: reasonable to say I don't know. That's that's the foundation of science. Now let's take this into the realm of Bigfoot. Let's, let's go to Meldrum. Okay. I mean I think what you guys are asking for is a false equivalency. Uh, you know the the dualist position is just is. Reasonable as a materialist position. And it's not. It's not. It, they have not earned that position Do, uh, you know, based on the evidence. So, wait, wait, wait. wait. But but material,
8: materialists earn the position because there is no evidence?
6: No, because everything has pointed towards a material world. There has been not, not one single study that has pointed that is credible, that has gone above noise to point to a metaphysical reality. Otherwise, we'd have to rewrite all the physics books. And right. So, and that's, that's and, and true so in- what I'm saying is uh, let, let's, let's point this towards Bigfoot. Okay? I really should give equal footing to that Bigfoot exists to that he does not exist? No. The, the, the evidence or the, or the plausibility is not, has not earned that fucking position. Earn your position, and I'm not going to just give you because I'm a nice guy – a false equivalency.
8: No, that's, well, that's fair. I, I think the difference, though, is that whereas Bigfoot is something very specific that a small number of people subscribe to, and it's, it's in this tiny little sphere of, of conspiracy theorists or whatever, um, materialism versus dualism, uh, I think the distinction is it hasn't earned its position in the aggregate scientific method sort of way, but it absolutely is... It has earned its position already overwhelmingly so on on a personal level, which I know you can throw out as as irrelevant because we 're having a scientific based discussion or whatever but that 's the issue is that um, most of the dualist people or 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 uh, believers, so to speak um, don 't have science to back them up, but they don 't want their dualism approach to be in the same when you talk about false equivalency, dualism isn't the same thing as believing in Bigfoot. So, you know, it cuts both ways. I think you, it is.
0: Are you saying that because uh, dualist beliefs are so pervasive in the world, like beliefs in God, beliefs in angels, beliefs in, you know, ghosts, things like that, because those beliefs are so pervasive that there, there should be some sense of equivalency? Is, is that where you're, what you're saying?
8: Thank you, Glenn. Um, not that there shouldn't be, <laughs> okay. So I, I want to be careful cause I, I, I'm probably more materialist and I'm just hopeful on the dualist side, but it's not a like 50, 50 thing. It's just that historically, culturally from a, from the way the brain works, we've already, you know, discovered that you can manipulate how you see things based on drugs you take based on stuff you inject into your system. There's infinite reasons why dualism, can present itself as a credible, um, as a credible approach on a personal level, even if in the aggregate, I, I don't understand. Like, so mm-hmm. that,
0: that's where you're tripping me up—the personal level. Yeah.
8: It's because the dualist approach isn't something that, in the aggregate, has credibility at the same level because there isn't some governing body that agrees exactly what it means, but because that doesn't exist doesn't mean that everybody doesn't have their own version of what dualism is to them and there's there's so like a, a lot
0: so like a near death experience that somebody has would be sure. an example of a of a personal uh a, a, a personal experience or a personal belief um that can't be reproduced or sure, proved and I'm scientifically not,
8: and, I'm, and i'm just saying Let's just not take that away from everybody by default because they don't have a statistically significant sample of other people Nobody's who have reproduced trying to the take same.
6: take anything from anyone. I, I think I made that clear. We're not evangelicals. If you want to believe whatever you want to believe, that's fine. But let's take LSD, for example. Okay? But it is, <laughs> it is, let's it is, do it. it. Let's do what it. Is, Seriously. Infant's what is LS- I,
0: I think it's, it's actually
6: drop, Randy, but go ahead. Uh, but but before it. you go acid when I was in high school. Yeah,
8: right, but you right. did take it away, Randy, because before you say nobody's trying to take anything away, by characterizing dualism in general as the same thing as having an equivalency with Bigfoot, that is taking it away from people. Because that is, that is throwing it out as that if it's was, like, that was an everything, is Christa the, everything is Chris the psychic, so please don't talk to me about any belief beyond materialism because it's fucking retarded to me. That's the way it sounds when you, when you make it. When you when you like hone it all in on one sample that's utterly ridiculous, then you are taking it away from everybody at the same time. So you took Krista seriously? No, absolutely not. Okay, well there we go. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to make a blanket statement for everybody who is a dualist based on Krista's ridiculous approach to it. Yeah,
6: well I listened to Krista, and then I came to a conclusion. I didn't. I didn't. But I came to to a
8: conclusion. uh, I came to a conclusion about her. I came to a yeah. conclusion about Bigfoot, but I don't use these as examples to make the dualism approach.
0: To dismiss less... others.
8: Yes, exactly. And that's where you're ta- That's where I feel like we should be careful how we approach it because we don't want to take it away like that.
5: Okay. Well, one, thi- one thing that I noticed that you said, um, Bob, is you talked about knowing where to pick the battles in terms of, Pushing back against some sort of dualistic or non-materialistic interpretation of the world and and I, I'm trying to think of some sort of generalizable set of criteria to decide with you know which battles to pick or not. But I guess I'm having a hard time drawing the line. I mean, why not just take everything away from everybody in terms of these dualistic type ideas? I mean, if it, if someone goes to a psychic and they're happy doing it or whatever. I mean, should we push back on everything? Are there things that we should leave them with? Why not just disavow everybody of, this, of, of the dualistic mindset universally?
6: Well, when people are taking advantage of other people and making a lot of money, that's where the skeptic community Absolutely. Step, steps in and uh, you know, tries this- to stop these, these uh, parasites.
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally with you. And this is where I think Glenn asked me a question that I didn't answer very well, which is, you know, what does it mean to be on the personal level? This is where uh, institutionalizing dualism—that um, is a false equivalency. We should not allow that in the same way as institutionalizing, for lack of a better way of framing it, um, the other side, mm-hmm. materialism, because institutionalizing materialism isn't harmful by default, but institutionalizing dualism can get harmful very quickly. But that's not the same thing as saying, therefore, you're an idiot thinking, believing in Bigfoot or believing in Krista for whatever, I don't even know what you're believing, but the fact that, that you I, claim to be a dualist, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so that, you know...
6: I don't think Meldrum is an idiot. I think that he has fallen into certain traps. So I, I, I don't like you painting me as this curmudgeon... That dismisses out of hand everything that comes in, in, into my world that uh, has some kind of uh, dualistic. No. I, mean, I mean, Bigfoot's not even dualistic. I mean, Bigfoot is—it's basically the evidence. I, I mean, that's the whole reason why I brought up Bigfoot is we're talking about evidence, and right. that's, that I'm not trying to say that anyone who's a dualist is is as uh, crazy as someone who believes in Bigfoot or alien abductions with anal probes. I'm. Just talking about the evidence and where you know, not giving them a false equivalency. That was the whole point of my of my analogy, not to say that everyone who's a duelist is just as crazy as everyone who believes in Bigfoot.
8: Okay, okay, then we're 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 closer
6: than than maybe I made it seem. I, I think we're all in the same place. It's just how we talk. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, uh, but but it, I want I want to get my LSD point out. Can I get it? Go out? for it. Yeah. Okay. So the more we learn about the brain, the more we learn that almost everything is a construct. I mean, not almost everything. Everything that we know of is a construct of the brain. For instance, the fact that I'm laying in my office on my carpet, and I, I see the difference between my leg and jeans and the carpet, that is all a construct of my brain. What does LSD do? It interrupts that part of your brain that tells you where you sit in the universe or where you sit in your environment. And so a very common experience with people who take LSD is they put their hand on the counter and their hand melts into the counter and they can't tell where their hand ends and the counter begins. And so you're saying, you know, all all these uh, experiences of these people over the years and the, 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 the decades and the centuries and the millennia, uh, you know, they all feel like they're, you know, having these dualistic experiences. But, you know, what does LSD teach us? It teaches us that everything is an illusion and a construct of the material brain. And it can be fucked with. And when you fuck with it, it fucks with your very position in the universe. And that, that's my point on that. Yeah, yeah. And so,
8: and so as a result of that, people shouldn't be allowed to start religions based on their LSD experience and institutionalize a way to collect money from others. Uh, Absolutely. Of course, of course that's like horrible as a construct of, of what being a dualist means because there is false equivalency on on that playing field. But at the same time, I, I probably beat it to death, but it's just, you know, there's so many unexplainable things. People interpret it different ways. And, um, the more they don't talk about it, probably the safer they are, to be honest, because most everything, <laughs> I'm probably more like Randy than, you know, even though I'm, I'm theoretically on this, the other side of this debate or whatever. Because anytime anybody opens their mouth, generally speaking, it sounds kind of like Chris or Bigfoot. But that doesn't mean that just because <laughs> that's my experience <laughs> that I can say that dualists on, in the aggregate have, you know, can can be equated similarly to each other because there's probably dualists out there that have experiences that, that I might relate to or that I don't know maybe it's just one big hey guys let's just give everyone the benefit of the doubt until they paint themselves into a corner with their big
6: fat fucking mouths that's all I'm saying so I guess what you're advocating is be nice yeah okay anyone for the closing prayer okay it's,
8: maybe that was too early I don't know <laughs> yeah it seemed a little
6: yeah, I'm trying, know, I'm trying to like think good... of
0: something that rhymes with ejaculation that I could say premature. Jesus. Hey, right. Evacuation. We haven't
6: even... No, no, no. It's, it's too early. We that's haven't talked about Louis C.K. and the Heavenly Mother.
0: That was my point, Randy. It was oh, premature sorry. ejaculation. Wait, wait, wait. I think I've got it. Premature invocation.
6: Huh? Or premature benediction. Uh, either way. Okay, can you guys give me a break? I got cotton mouth. like back because i've been talking so much can you give me a break i would yeah, love yeah. to uh do you guys want to hear me piss go ahead
0: yeah do it yeah take it in with you uh, right? sure Actually, I, do.
6: I don't really have to piss I, I thought you guys would say no but uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a drink that was some
8: that was some group think there <laughs> glenn and jake are like yeah and i'm like
0: yeah i'm thinking
8: yeah. i'm thinking easter egg <laughs> all right be right back i actually I just see. Hell no, trouble, I don't want to hear Randy piss. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. No, it,
0: it, it's really interesting. What's really
8: interesting? Listen, hearing and piss? Yeah,
0: hearing and piss, yeah. What about this? Is this interesting? I can't tell. I'm
5: having a good time, but...
8: I'm, I'm having a good time as as a group of guys that should be drinking in the same room or something, but as a podcast, yeah, this is one of those like hard to say... Um,
0: well, you know, I I'm, I keep trying to take these abstract ideas and bring them down into concrete things just because that's the way my mind works like i want examples of stuff
8: right but then as soon as you do examples then of course materialism wins and and dualism is nutty fruitcakes and that's totally fine but that doesn't mean...
0: But that's not where that, I was going with any of that. Like, I I, I was just looking for some clarification. I wasn't put, oh, passing okay, any okay. judgment on anything. You know, I mean, the, the thought that I had was that there are social sciences that are exploring those questions. You know, the, right. the pervasiveness of, uh, you know, near-death experiences or the pervasiveness of beliefs. I mean, in, in, in folkloristics, that, that was an object I... of what we did as a social science. But it, it's not exactly the same type of approaches you would have on the hard sciences.
8: Right, and and I, and I and I'm probably not the best advocate for this kind of stuff because I really I'm not that passionate or follow it that much. It's just that I wear on my sleeve too much perhaps the whole uh you know, we can't rule out the possibility type of type of position cuz Randy could be 100% right 90% of the time, but it bugs me the other 10% or or whatever. Like I, I just hate. I just hate certainty, no matter where it's coming from, because I feel like it's it's too pervasive. But he in is some of the scientific certainly not certain. Not on everything. He's no, no,
0: certainly no. not certain. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's I, I. I I I get a very dismissive vibe from Randy on these things too. But then he says that he's not.
5: Well, and see, my my issue is that my issue mostly is I don't think that acting like you're certain. Even if it's, system. it doesn't. It doesn't help anything. I think it just ostracizes. It galvanizes the people that that agree with you, and it ostracizes the people that don't. I, I would. I would argue from. I would argue that that it's very difficult. It's very difficult to know when you know anything, it, even in a scientific sense. Like like. Even in a scientific sense, it's very difficult to know when you know anything. And when you start to understand data science, when you start to understand statistics, which is statistics is the underlying way of knowing anything. Everything right. and, we know of in the world is based on statistics.
8: And, and, it's, and it's usually two numbers. It's usually nine, nine, even in good cases, right? It's not one, zero, zero. That doesn't show up on the spreadsheet hardly ever, right? Like when you're yeah. proving something. Well, all no, I'm saying there, there is, there's, is... There's, there's no 100% certainty for all the stuff that. Okay, I can't phrase it that way because I just used the uh, no a, an absolute yeah, yeah yeah, so there's rarely so you got to choose your <laughs> words carefully
5: no no you, you can say you can say that there is there there's very very strong extremely strong evidence of a relationship between two things, but you cannot say there is no place in statistics where you can say we know this a hundred percent, you can't say that there i that's mean, it keep, doesn't even allow keep keep for out. that that's the central the limit keep... theorem doesn't even allow for that.
6: That's so, what the p value is all about.
5: Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So the central limit theorem. It does. I mean, the, the base of statistics, the basics of statistics, don't allow for absolute knowledge, and that and, and that's okay. Like because well, you don't need an absolute knowledge. You need a functional knowledge. You need a fun, you need enough knowledge to say we can carry forward in this direction. Let's see what happens. And that's what science is doing. They're they're gathering. They're not gathering absolute knowledge. They're gathering functional knowledge. And as it's proving itself, that it, it rolls forward
6: right yeah wow. that's awesome great well
8: said bravo okay. all right Thank so heavenly you. mother
5: <laughs> heavenly mother let's get on that
6: uh we just talked you know, you, about you,
8: heavenly mother you guys
6: do you guys want to hear a, a way you know because i'm sure jake you've heard the the cliche there's lies damn lies and statistics statistics yes yes yeah so plaques you, know, you guys have heard of plaques right like the is this pr- the dentist joke no, I mean this is this is an example of how statistics <laughs> like can be misleading. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So Plax did a, a research uh, study that was totally biased. It was funded by Plax, and uh, so they had people brush with Plax and without Plax, and they removed uh, uh, without Plax. It was like six percent of the Plax was uh, still remained, and then um, using Plax, three percent of the Plax still remained. So really. The difference is six is three percent, which is really not that significant. And so, how did plaques market it? You know, hundred Imbr- percent difference or something? Twice, Im- twice, Im- twice, yeah, t- exactly. Twice uh, the the, as the amount of uh, twice as effective as as, as, with, as with brushing without plaques. When in reality, it's three percent, but they weren't lying; they were just twisting statistics to their favor. Right. So, anyways, that was just uh, something I learned yeah. in, in dental school when I was a believer. I, but,
0: but I don't know what we have to say about Heavenly Mother because we just talked about Heavenly Mother on the Kolob Shmolob episode. So, what, what more do you got, Randy? You, you want to go further into the celestial vagina and <laughs> see what I did there?
8: Or the Louis C.K. stuff? What did, what did he say? It was
6: a funny bit. It was a funny bit. Well, I mean, he, he well, just. He made a joke about God having uh, killed Heavenly Mother and, and she was under the porch. Where's our mother? <laughs>
3: What happened to our mom? What did he do to our mom? Something happened. Somewhere in heaven, there's a porch with a dead lady under it, and I want this. To... I
6: thought it was funny. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was also the divorce thing. That, when, was, you know,
5: that, was, that, was, that was the thing I
3: liked. Well, hi- God's divorced maybe he has an ex-wife God's a single dad and he's raising us alone and we're praying like I and he's like I'm trying it's just me up here maybe that's what's going on maybe maybe your life is your time this is our weekend with dad that's what life is is your weekend and then when you die you go to mom's house
8: well, we're amazing. We just, like, <laughs> recapped two jokes yeah. and said they were funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's well, the end of the
6: episode. That's like
0: the Chris Farley. Remember that joke? <laughs> that was awesome.
6: Well, I want to give, give Mormonism credit. Okay. Uh, they, as far as I know, are the only Christian religion that has a Heavenly Mother and a Heavenly Father. And, you know, that just, doesn't that just make sense? And I think that's what Louis C.K. is tapping into. It's like, why, you know, why wouldn't God have a mother? Wife. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> somebody, somebody, I'm, I'm posing the question. You mean why wouldn't God
0: have a mother or you mean why wouldn't no, God I mean, have a wife? No, I
6: mean why wouldn't God have a wife?
0: Why wouldn't why we w- have heavenly parents and not just why a heavenly father? Par-
6: exactly. If that's, that's the social community we know here on earth, why would, if, if, if uh, you know, the eternal world exists, why would we not have a mother and a father?
0: Yeah, because the Bible doesn't say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says there's... that God created, I mean, the God, God created Adam by, like, what, molding him out of clay? And then created Eve by pulling a rib out of his chest. So what do you need a, what do you need a wife for? <laughs> Dress them? They were naked. <laughs>
6: Uh, well, Lucy K has a conspiracy theory. That I thought was pretty funny. Let's hear it. Well, that God killed his wife.
3: Somewhere in heaven, there's a porch with a deadly.
6: Gosh, we just did it again.
3: Oh, <laughs>
8: man. <laughs> Twice in a row. Yeah, I don't Is know that there's Louis much C. to say K. about funny? this. It's so funny. Luis Cage is
6: awesome, you know, except for when he's not. But 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 the, we can't add to him, man. We can't add to that guy. But he's the a-
0: reason that he went into the mother thing in the first place was because he, he, he was talking about his atheism and how he couldn't believe in the God and the Bible because where's the mother? You know, I mean that was his transition. That was his segue, just for the sake of the bit, you know. But to me, what was interesting. And, and, and you raised the possibility for doing this earlier, Randy. I think I don't remember your exact language, but saying that um, uh, w- with science you would want to be able to – or no, maybe it was you, Jake, that was saying um, in statistics you would want to know kind of where you were going, so what you could test and, and what you would what you would need to test to be able to prove. Something like that. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not getting my point across.
5: Well, I mean, you can you can set your null hypothesis to be whatever you want, but you should have a good idea of what types of, of evidence you would see as being credible and why, and what you would yeah. see as being significant and why. Yeah, that was
0: it. So what what kind of God would you believe in? Like if there is a God out there, if there's any sliver of possibility that there could be a God, what would that have to look like to be acceptable to any of you?
8: Oh, that is a good question. That is
0: fascinating.
8: Yeah, I um is it is it, it's too much of a cop out just to be like I don't I don't know. Like I, I can't even construct something. I can't I can't hand to you on a silver platter a version of God that makes sense. And that's why it's a pretty low prob That's why I'm fucking 6 on the scale of the doc and whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> because because I can't construct it on my own, um, I, I need God to to hook me up. I, I need to, I need some help on this one. Because so far, He's given me, or she, or it, or whatever. It, there's there's not much to work with to make it make sense.
9: I now, mean, me, I, uh,
6: go ahead. I would say to me, there's two possibilities: um, a deistic God who started the universe and is not at all involved, or. But you, uh, so you would or, really
0: believe in that, and in, in a God that that like created the universe.
6: No, you're asking me for what I think is like, if if there is a God, what would it be? Like, what would you believe in?
0: Like, what would be acceptable uh,
6: that's, to you? That's what I would believe in, and what I would hope for. No, has no bearing on reality.
0: I'm not asking for what you hope for. I, I'm saying like if if. Like, what type of God would you accept? And so, if you say a deistic that, you know, created the universe, I'm just pushing that back to you, that you would actually believe that a God created the universe.
6: If I were to believe in a, like, if you're, you're asking me, if I believed in a God, what would it look like? It would be either a deistic God that started it and okay. then just let it go, yeah. or uh, Seb's God of evil. But then you have to deal with the problem of good. But, but, but Glenn, are, you, are we allowed to just use other cop-outs like it'd
8: be, you know, m- more of a decentralized The Force or something that's just I just, uni- I just universal?
0: I just don't want you to give examples of things that you wouldn't accept. And, and right. so, that's, so that's why I was challenging Randy, because I don't think that Randy would really accept a God who created the universe. Why not? I just, from how I know you, I don't think that you would. I don't if, think if that would be a God that...
6: You, I, I, mean, I cannot falsify a God that started the whole thing and then took off. And then went and started oh, another universe and we've then took come,
8: off. We've come full circle. You can't falsify that? No, you cannot. Therefore, how do you handle
6: it when you talk to people about it? I don't think about it. It's, it, it, would, it wouldn't affect anything.
8: But being on, a materialist, I mean, that's like
6: a whole different thing. Really that really wouldn't change materialism because he he started it and took off okay
0: yeah and, and i get and i guess you know part of part of my question is like if if there is any sliver of belief in any of you guys that there could be a god out there what would that god have to look so, like to be acceptable and so that's where i i don't i don't feel like randy's answer really addressed my question my per se. my, my
8: answer that's the non cop out version, but still pretty much a cop out is to say that it, <laughs> it, it it's it's decentralized harmonized energy of some kind. I I, I can't for the life of me believe in a, a, an an entity an uh, you know uh, anthropomorphic figure uh, some s- someone that's independent of other people. I, the the only way God exists for me is a, as is as a placeholder term for something that isn't another dude or dudette. It's like centralized energy of some, or, or decentralized energy. I, I like the idea of an existence beyond this plane that connects everyone, that there's more, you know, and, and I know I'm, I'm starting to say things and I don't like it because I like to keep these things to myself because now you can poke holes in it all. But that's as close as, as it gets to me in terms of what I want or hope for more so than the traditional
6: construct that is god that
8: is an anthropomorphic figure
6: so i i think uh if you're going to force me to answer this question um i would say that i would believe in a polytheistic scenario where gods have um not omnipotence but like super potent Mm -hmm. and they are just as fallible as humans they're they get jealous um, they get angry, uh, so like I think Greek, like the Greek Greeks, gods exactly that that certainly makes more sense of the world
0: so would it would it be because i i i need to go and find this clip, but um it was Richard Dawkins, and I think he was talking to Ben Stein. I think it was like Ben Stein did some uh intelligent uh, creator type documentary once and and interviewed oh, Dawkins horrible. on it but but oh, Dawkins horrible. but Dawkins said something about. If there was a God, he would have had to have evolved to that position.
9: Hello, Professor Dawkins. How are you? I'm Ben Stein. I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. How are you? Fine, thank you.
3: Bueller? Bueller? Bueller?
9: You have have written that uh, God is a psychotic delinquent invented by mad, deluded people. No, I didn't say quite that. I said
2: something rather better than that. Bueller? Well, I would have to read it from, from, from the book. No, please. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. So that's what you think of God?
9: Yeah. How about, how about if people believed in a God of infinite lovingness and kindness and forgiveness and generosity, sort of like the modern-day God? Why spoil it for them? Oh, um...
2: Why not just let them have their fun I, and enjoy it? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I, I write a book, people can read it if, if they want to. Um, I believe that it is a liberating thing to free yourself from primitive superstitions. Primitive
9: oh, I, I think it is. Yes. So uh, you believe it's liberating to
2: uh, tell people that there is no God? I think a lot of people, when they give up God, feel a great sense of release uh, and freedom. Why do you think that? I mean, what's your well, dad what's your scientist? What's your dad? I think. Well, I've had a lot of, of letters saying that, and I've... there are eight billion people in the world, yeah, Doctor Dawkins. How many letters yeah. have you had? No, I haven't. I haven't done that, that. That's quite quite true.
9: Professor Dawkins seemed so convinced that God
2: doesn't exist that I wondered if he would be willing to put a number on it. Well, it's hard to put a figure on it, but but I I, I mean I put it on something like you know 99% against or something. Well, how something. do you know it's 99% against? say in 97. No, I did. You asked me to put a figure on it, and I I'm not comfortable putting a figure on it. I think it's I I just think it's very unlikely. What? But you couldn't put a number on it. No, of course not. No. So it, could it would be forty-nine be... percent. Well, I, it would be. I mean, I. Th- I think it's. It's. It's unlikely. But. But I. But, and it's, quite far from fifty percent. How do you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I. I put an argument in the book. Well, then who did create the heavens and the earth? Why do you use the word who? You see, you. You. You immediately beg the question by using the word who. Well, then how did it get created? Well. um by a very slow process. Well, how did it start? Nobody knows how how it started. We know the kind of event that it must have been. We know the sort of event that that must have happened for the origin of life. What was that? It was the origin of the first self-replicating molecule. Right, how did that happen? I told you, we don't know. So you have no idea how it started? No, no. no, no nor has no, anybody. Nor
9: has anyone else. else. What do you think is the possibility that, there, that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in, well, in evolution?
2: It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization I- evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this this planet. Um, now th- that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. Mm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the um, at the detail details of biochemistry, molecular biology. You might find a signature of some sort of designer.
9: Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate
2: pursuit? Um, and that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. Well, but that higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. He couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point.
9: So, Professor Dawkins was not against intelligent design just certain types of designers, such as God, Bueller, God, Bueller, God.
2: Um, he's sick. My best friend, sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw pass out at 31 Flavors last night.
9: Thank you, Simone. So the, the Hebrew God, the God of the Old Testament, he doesn't exist in your view. Um certainly i mean that would be a very unpleasant prospect and uh, the trend holy trinity of the no. new testament nothing that nothing like that do you believe in any of the um, hindu gods like Vishnu. how can you or... ask such a question you don't right? how, how could i i mean what, in... why
2: would i given that i don't believe in any others
9: you don't believe in the muslim god no bueller
2: i guess it's pretty serious
0: you know, so he, and, and that would have gone through eons and eons of time, and if that were the case, then he couldn't have been there at the beginning of the universe to create it because he evolved through time to become what he is now. But I found that I found that response from him so fascinating. You know, and just just this exercise of if there was a god, he would have had to he would have to look like this, 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 or this kind of thing, and that that's the game that we're all kind of playing right now. Uh, so, so Randy, for you. By saying that they're polytheistic, would it have been like the that kind of weird alien story where they come to the earth and they plant the seeds of life and then they go off and you know they're farming <laughs> other planets in the universe? Whatever it
8: is, like that's let's, why just they're say God? That, let's just say that Randy believes that it's weird and let's laugh and make fun
6: of it before he says anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I find it more plausible that we're part of a computer simulation than that Elohim that yeah. lives in the Kolob star system. Uh, is is the omnipotent uh, creator of this universe and is involved in the lives of Mormons Absolutely. to every detail. Right, right, right. What do you think, Jake?
0: I, I mean the
5: only – I feel like I have a pretty – I have a fairly low threshold. Like if there was just some sort of – if there was one single religious tradition that I could find that didn't have some sort of aspect of it that seemed completely arbitrary, that would be something – that would be that would be something where I, I feel like I connect with God that way. But I feel like every religious tradition just has some aspect of it that seems so arbitrary, so so tied to some culturally informed, very time you know specific to their place in time and their place in the world. Threshold of you know you have to be baptized, you have to do whatever shit you got to do to be part of this religion, or you can't eat fucking pork or something. <laughs> I mean, just the arbitrary nature of it is something that, that is what's so – that that's the part that is so – that makes me disassociate myself from belief no, the most. But,
8: but I, I, think, I, I think that's almost correct, if I can be so bold. I think it's more the institutionalized aspect because the arbitrary aspect of it isn't as problematic because let me give you a counterexample. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can think of somebody in your life you look up to – who has a strong belief system in a God that's disassociated with a religious institution. And that person lives a better life for it. And sure, if you got specific, you could figure out why that's crazy. Their specific belief system is crazy. But Mm -hmm. independent of the institution, the arbitrary nature of it isn't necessarily the problem because good people believe crazy things all the time and it helps them be good people. That's happened before. So we can't just say that it's, it, it's the arbitrary nature of the belief. It's more the institutionalized side of it, Yeah, right? but
0: you're talking about the effects of the belief, and I think what Jake's talking about is, is the object of the belief itself, you know, that that God actually exists, and can you accept that?
6: Right, like the uh, effect of the belief has no bearing on ontology at all. What's wait, translate that for me?
5: Yeah, yeah, I was... I was.
6: <laughs> okay. Whether or not... Uh, faith tradition makes you a better person has no bearing on whether or not the god of that faith tradition exists right at all yeah yeah but the, if the faith tradition is sample
8: size of one then it, it it doesn't feel as problematic or harmful
0: no but does it so but but, but do you believe that that god is there would would that, no. would that would the existence of that God still be acceptable to you? I no, mean,
8: no. I I just thought I heard Jake, you know, give a laundry list of all these reasons from an institutional perspective yeah. that that God doesn't make sense existing. Not necessarily
6: from a, you know, uh, there, empirical. There have been there. It, it's pretty well established in social psychology that just the picture of an eye in a room makes you behave better. Does that make sense? What's the point of that? I mean. What, why you, are you saying if that? You, if you believe that a God is watching you, you will behave better. That doesn't mean that that I really exists. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what I heard, what, what I thought you were saying, Jake, is that um, it's it's the fingerprints of human creation that y- you were calling like the arbitrary things. Like yeah. if you can tell that this is, this is something that has absolutely been constructed by humans, then you're more likely to reject that than something that's not.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a fair yeah. that's a fair uh, characterization of it. Yeah. That, that's but uh, if I but that would have to be I mean that would be in like the universe where God exists that I could that's like an alternate universe. I wasn't really I wasn't really approaching it in the same way that I think Randy and Bob did, which is how would God have to exist now to explain the universe as it is and me still believe in it? And I think that I would probably in that case I would probably go in a much more deistic like clockmaker type. Uh, thing where the, the mentality where you put you put the thing in motion and you let it run its, it's course.
6: See, like is that the question? I mean, Glenn, I, did I misunderstand the question? Because I, I I interpreted just as Jake said, like based on my how I see the world today, what God would I need to make fit that world? Or were you asking in my fantasy what God would I really be inspired by?
0: No, no, the first one. Okay. The first one, not the, not the second. One. Yeah, because it's not like what what God would you want or what would you hope for. It's like what would God have to actually look like, or what what explanation, if you heard it today, would you be able to go, okay, I can, I can get I, on board with that, and and maybe not even have to to be that positivist of a response. It could just be like, all right, I'm not going to push that one completely away. <laughs> you know, it's just like eh, I can entertain that. You know, something. Um, I, I, and and I got you know we we mentioned. Uh, the new reboot of Cosmos earlier, I, I can't help but when I watch that, like regress back into my believing Mormon mind and go, yeah, this is what I loved about Mormonism because to me Mormonism, it, it, you know, like Joseph Smith teachings on uh, the the cosmos, and you know we make fun of Colop, but you, you, <laughs> you like look you like look at these these images of. Uh, like, here is the Milky Way galaxy, and here's where uh, our solar system is in this galaxy, and here's this bright, huge center light at the center of the galaxy. And I remember looking at that going, yeah, Joseph Smith was right. What it says in the Book of Mormon about Kolob, that's exactly what it was. And how long does it take for things to go around? You know, like, oh, one day is a thousand years. You know, that's metaphoric language to explain the way that things circle around. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> spinning all these connections and i and and in one of these episodes you're talking about these multiverses that are all like bubbles in a soft drink or something you know because you're able <laughs> to go in the spaceship of
6: imagination see it and i'm like yeah. oh, don't don't even try to think about that because it'll make your head explode
0: well but that's that's the sort of thing i i loved i loved that aspect of mormonism that mormonism allowed for that kind of head explosion you could do that and and the and the god in mormonism was like was he was I, i don't know if he was a product of that but he like could create like like i guess to me it would be like yeah if i ever advance to that state of godhood i'll be i'll be able to create those bubbles in the Thing, and I'll know what's going on inside of them and
6: I well, don't know if Mormonism in practice would allow you to be that creative and fun then maybe I would never have left <laughs> well, the, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, so sure. constricted and distilled and controlled well, that and, and, you, can't even, you can't even have fun with it.
0: But, and and that, that's one reason for rejecting it. But then there's the other one that I mentioned earlier with, with you know Doctrine and Covenants section 132. And you could go through any section of the Doctrine and Covenants and read those and go, all right, this is just Joseph Smith or Sidney Rigdon or some other people close to Joseph Smith that are trying to get people to do stuff. That's what these are. You're, they're trying to get something out of this. This does not sound to me like. No matter how many times it says, "Thus saith the Lord," I don't
6: buy it. <laughs> you know, so it's too self-serving. It and- is so <laughs>
0: self-serving. You know, and like, here I didn't make this point in the Noah thing. I, I originally did, and then I pulled it out. Um, but I want to make it now since we're talking about self-serving revelations of Joseph Smith. That whole city of Zion thing, like no other christian religion believes that the entire city of zion was lifted up and especially that the entire city of zion is going to return in the last day that's part of no one else's belief system except i had the no mormons. idea
6: about that i had no idea until this podcast that mormons were the only ones yeah. that believed that the city of enoch rose up to heaven
0: right right and, <laughs> and so so you start trying to work that backwards like if if you're taking this hypothesis that it's self-serving like what what could po- what, what could Joseph Smith possibly get out of teaching something like that? Well, he was trying to get people to buy into the United Order and consecrate all their stuff so that they They're could so be of Zionistic. one heart and one mind. And so they use Zion as a, as a, as a metaphor and, and then be like the people of Zion so that when and the I'm... city comes back, they'll reunite with us because it was right here anyway, you guys. I mean, it's just like <laughs> to, to, to me— It just makes so much sense that way. So even like I know what you're saying, Randy, about the restrictiveness of Mormonism today and, you know, post-correlation thought police and all that. Yeah, that's true. But I I think even in the time of Joseph Smith, I I would have had a hard time seeing the way that some things are put out there that are really awesome and other things are just like ridiculous. Like, no, I'm not going to give you my money. For that, no, yeah. no. <laughs> but,
6: <laughs> but you, that one, how much? Yeah, I'll right, take it. No. You were, you were, you would. I mean, none of us could answer that question honestly because right. the, all those people were a product of their time. Sure, 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 sure. So,
0: but, but I'm in. I'm in Jake's. Time machine. He went back a hundred years. I went back two hundred. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> right. yeah. Can you imagine? Okay,
5: so there was like it, my, my wife's reading the Brigham Young book, yeah. and there was a guy that came along and and was saying was telling him that the saints should should bathe every week. And Brigham Young was like, "You can do that if you want, but no, I'm not going to do that." Yeah. And like, the guy had like 50 wives. He was just having, he was like fucking so many women <laughs> and never showered. Like, could you believe that? Like, how terrible would it be to live then? Like, how terrible? Those, ter- poor, you women. Even enjoy Those uh, poor
0: women. sex? Well, that doesn't mean he didn't clean himself. Uh, can,
5: he had a
6: sponge. He totally had a skunk dick. Oh, <laughs> oh. You have to. Yeah.
5: like yeah. how could you not? How could you not? Like one day, and I am just this everything above my knees and below my belly button is just the worst shit you've ever seen in your life. It's awful. One day,
6: I'm I'm not the only (laughs) one. Is that that's normal? I'm so glad to hear that's normal because one day,
5: and my crotch is stanky. Oh, no, it's awful. It's just rank, (laughs) just terrible odor.
8: This can't make it into the final cut. (laughs) It's an Easter egg.
0: Yeah, I could so so did you guys pick up like you know we're 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 doing i guess i don't know if we'll have number two or not this is kind of on you bob the the dear god um you know listeners submit their thing and then we give a response to it so the first one that i gave i think i think some people uh, you know obviously were turned off by the the way that the voices were on there like it sounded weird and so that was hard to to engage in but like they heard three and automatically assumed Trinity. And like, this was the father, son, and the Holy ghost. And I wasn't going for that at all. Like, did, did you guys get the, the type of God? Because that was, that was my way of answering the question that I asked you guys. Like, how would I even imagine a God existing that could answer the kind of question that Seb asked? And to me, what I put out there was the only thing that would even remotely seem acceptable to me.
8: Well, you you win for creativity, that's for sure. So you're saying like a god who has like a split personality, no sort it of was, disorder. It, it
0: it was, it was multiple voices of like it, it, uh, kind of Randy's polytheism,
6: but multiple, but united. They were yeah. they were totally united
8: throughout. It the It seemed like right. a, like right. a schizophrenic personality. That's what I I kind of got out of it, which I to, in my mind is kind of how a trinity would work. Either that or.
0: Well, originally no, I, I used four different voice tracks, but that was even messier. So I I oh. cut out one of them, and it just went to just three. Just
6: a coincidence. Okay. Yeah. No, it, the, the overall message you gave was like, if anyone says anything too specific, that's the first sign that they're full of shit. It,
0: you know, you, you remember, like, you had a real problem, Randy, when John Hamer talked about his unfathomable God.
6: I didn't have a real problem. I just was I was fascinated. I wanted to parse out what his God looked like. You had
0: a big old huge problem with that i remember what do you mean what do you mean i had a problem
6: anyway bob's the one that had a problem with it okay
0: all right all right all right but but to me it's that unfathomable god that that i was trying to think of that there isn't any anything that so like anything that you've been taught about god anything that you think you know about it is just bullshit because like Jake was saying it's the fingerprints of humanity that are trying to construct something they have absolutely no idea with. This is like that whatever God might be is so far out, so distant and unconcerned with the goings on of what we're doing that, like, why would they even pay attention to us? Why,
6: why, Why
0: would we even be significant
6: to them? I think John Hamer's God was a little more personal than that.
0: Well, John Hamer's God was like there was a river of inspiration that you could tap into, but like, a, but but it's also a really unfathomable God. Like it, it, right. it, and it, which might be a Dan Witherspoon God too. I don't know that Uh-oh. it doesn't make any sense to try and define him because you can't <laughs> even calling him a him, you can't.
6: You but
8: can't this reminds me. I, I just want to say, uh, Jake, I, I like the way you answered that question, um, despite having. Chat all over your answer. Now that I think about it, but um, mm. fingerprints of humanity. I like that.
5: Well, actually, that, that was Glenn who said that that particular <laughs> phrase.
6: <laughs> that <laughs> was Glenn's restatement of yeah. The, that was gl- position. <laughs> yeah, but
8: all right. that, you that,
5: can that just Glenn. edit all
8: that out. Yeah, look at me <laughs> <laughs> think, thinking the wrong yeah. people.
0: And, and and to be honest, like, and I think Bob, you said that you, you wouldn't even be able to really um, come to any kind of answers about what God would be. You would need somebody to define that for you and then to be able to approach it and go, does that make sense to me, yes or no? This, right, is, this and then is like,
8: the, probably re- reject it 50 times in yeah, a row. Yeah, right, right, right. Or, or, or before whatever. Before they get it right, yeah.
0: But but this, is, this was Krista the psychic's explanation of God. Like that's what I was doing in the dear God thing, the that that God is like this Nirvana kind of thing. It's like this this energy of multiple ascended souls that just join when they're ready, you know. But everybody else is. Uh, but that that makes the most sense of any kind of God that there could possibly be out there.
6: Yeah, I think I got angry about the Krista thing because I misunderstood. I guess you. You corrected me the last time we talked. I thought she was channeling Brigham Young and Joseph Smith. And every conclusion that she came up with, with what I thought was Brigham Young's spirit and Joseph Smith's spirit, was like a postmodern uh, morality. That there was no way that, based on their quotes... Right, that they would uh, have thought would that they said those things. Exactly. Well, th- so, there
0: was enough of that when she channeled Emma Smith that you kind of scratch your head anyway. But but still, <laughs> as as far as being like a a conversation and having ideas to think about um you know that that's where that kind of came from for me where i thought well if there is because i was already at a point where i thought if there's any kind of god it's got to be a really distant distant god but you know is there life after this i don't know i, I, I don't even know what that would be like but I'm,
6: you I'm, seem to be the most comfortable with uh with uh the eternal dial tone.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with with total oblivion. Sure. sure. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Well yeah. that's like that's so, i know, I, that's, I just because you're it would so be peaceful. full of shit, man. You are so full. It would be peaceful. It would be absolutely People, peaceful. Glenn Glenn, the thing is like anyone who's listened to this podcast at all knows that like Glenn, you love being you. And just the idea that like you would just slip into oblivion and never exist again. And the, the idea that you are okay with that and that doesn't bother you at all. Because
6: like-
0: I've got the podcast as my legacy. I don't know. I, like, but I, I think you're wrong, though, Jake. I mean, I, just to like close my eyes and go to sleep and be like, that's it. I'd be fine with that. But, but right. uh, I, I, and again, I'm saying I don't know what the afterlife, if there's an afterlife or anything. But I want to go back to Cosmos because he talked about that we are all... We are all stardust, I think was the, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the song lyric or something. But he used that, that, that we're made out of the same material that everything in the universe is.
6: Well, I think what's more profound is that we are the universe Yeah, con- contemplating the universe. Right, right. Well, yeah. that's, that's profound. And my brother has, has talked to me because, like, okay, so Brian Dalton, when we were at that uh, right that lunch... The thing that bothered him the most about becoming an atheist was that not that he wouldn't exist, but that Shakespeare, once the sun becomes a red giant and obliterates the earth, Shakespeare will never have existed. It wouldn't have mattered. It's over. Mm. Shakespeare is gone forever. And uh, and I told that to my brother, and then he told me about this philosophy about the river of time. And I don't – I haven't delved into it, and I don't know anything about it, so I can't really talk about it. But according to my brother – uh, according to this river, river of time philosophy that shakespeare has always existed and will always exist and i need to i need to i need to look up this river of time thing
0: well but but i mean that's also but, but very Randy, earth, earth-centric because how many shakespeare's are there uh, on these yeah. billions of billions of world and how many shakespeare's have there been in this on this earth that we just like they didn't, they weren't there at the right place at the right time that, right. that you know were able to continue. Like that, that level of brilliance is is yeah. out there. And if and if you know we're just this little teeny tiny speck in the universe, and there's other specks like us out there, there's going to be other Shakespearean things. But the the things that I like, I genuinely wonder about. And, and I, I put this in that dear God response, you know, like that when, when we die, we're repurposed. Like, I don't know what that means, but that if... if, that's, if from that movie, like,
6: that's from that movie that you already... Uh, what, what, the bleep do we in. know? No, the, the movie where you're like, oh, you, you earthlings, uh, you use only 3% of your brain. Oh, oh, once, once, you, once you get beyond right. that, then, then... Defending your life. Well, Daniel, let me tell you what's going on.
7: When you're born into this universe, you're in it for a long, long time. You have many different lifetimes. And after each lifetime, there's an examining period which you're in now. You see, every second of every lifetime is always recorded. And as each one ends, we sort of look at it. Look at a few of the days, examine it. And then if everybody agrees, you move forward. What do you mean move forward? I mean, move forward, continue onward. The point of this whole thing is to keep getting smarter, to to keep growing, to use as much of your brain as possible. For example, I use 48% of my brain. Do you know how much you use? 47? (laughs) Three. I'm sorry? Three? I use 3% of my brain? Yes, don't worry about it. Everybody on Earth uses 3% of their brain. 3 to 5%. That's why they're there. Three? Three percent? Three percent? You mean nobody on Earth uses more than that? When you use more than five percent of your brain, you don't want to be on Earth, believe
0: me. Yeah, defending your life. Yeah, yeah, probably a little bit of influence from there. Yeah, that, that, that kind of eternal progression idea right. from Mormonism. But, but, you know, so there's, like, questions that science, as far as I know, hasn't been able to answer. Like, where is memory stored in the brain? Like, what, what is memory physically as, as a material substance, where is it stored? And like, we know that, the, but, but we know that like the, the, the material substance of our bodies regenerates and like all of the cells that I had nine years ago are dead, you know? So like I'm physically not even the same person that I was nine years ago, but I still have memories that go yeah, beyond like that.
6: Every, every atom in your body is different right. from when you were 12 years it old. It just
0: keeps re, re yeah.
6: Yeah,
0: I mean so that that sort of stuff's fascinating to me. So like are there memories in these proteins that if if there are pieces of me that become another person or another thing or another animal or another plant or you know like when I degenerate and die and I and recycled Or the pieces of me are recycled. Are memories recycled? You know, like things like that that you're going to go, oh, that's woo-woo stuff. But it's really interesting to me. Do do
6: you guys want to to know what the big philosophical debate is right now? Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Randy, what is the big philosophical debate right now? The big philosophical debate right now is... How um,
0: philosophical is it?
6: (laughs) Shut up, you fucker. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so say there was a transport machine that was invented... And it had, you know, because of uh, the way it transports you, it has to destroy every atom in your body, but it copies it. And then in, in, the, in the, p- the place that you need to be transported, because of the, uh, the copy, the, tech, uh, the information goes over to the second transporter, and it makes an exact copy of every atom in your body. Is that you? No, there- that's,
0: that's seven. Seven going back to uh, Battlestar Galactica or six.
6: But is that you? Do you, are do you have a problem with that? Do any of you have a problem with that? It,
5: well, I mean, did, it's similar to the, if you talk about rolling out artificial intelligences, like a, another large idea, another kind of very futuristic idea. And that is uploading your consciousness to some sort of electronic medium. Yeah,
6: there's, there's a movie. That's uh what's that called? Transcendence. Uh, Transcendence, Transcendence. that's so coming, yeah, out coming out. out that. that a few weeks, yeah.
0: Well but 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 I think what you're what you're talking about, Randy, like with this transporter, it happens right now anyway on this what is it, twelve year delay, to nine year delay where we're kind of copies of ourselves from previous Is that is that the punchline of this?
6: No, it's not a punchline. It's like I, I I know hardcore materialists that go, No, I'm not okay with that. And that's that there's this fundamental difference between the person that was destroyed in transporter one and the person that was reconstituted in transporter two to me it's the same person because all the information is preserved
0: does one of them have an evil goatee
6: (laughs) no it's an exact copy so (laughs) is is there is there a difference between the person that was destroyed in transporter one and the person that was reconstituted in transporter two
8: is there any is there any overlap between the two existences or is there a, and or a gap between the two existences or is it no it's instantaneous instantaneous yeah. one exists then doesn't exist the other one didn't exist then exists yeah in the same moment but that i mean that's I've the star I've trek that's the star found trek found cam- oh, thing, go ahead. isn't it
0: isn't it isn't that what happens in star trek the transporter Beam
8: me
6: your body up, Scotty? Just, yeah it's not they're destroyed every time it's just I'm, moved oh i thought they were i'm not a trekkie but okay. uh This transporter in this philosophical, you know, question is like you are every atom, like every atom that is in transporter two is a different atom from transporter one. But to me, it's like what Glenn was talking about. When I was 12 years old, none of those atoms that were part of my body are part of my body now. And so all that matters is the information. Mm. And uh, but there's you know even atheists go there's there's some kind of essence <laughs> there's something that's lost it's a really fascinating debate to get into yeah yeah and see that's that's the good
8: stuff of atheism that we shouldn't forget that there's the debate good stuff
0: that we shouldn't forget about
5: no, okay. atheism well, so,
8: shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's probably right. more to, there's probably more good stuff than that I'm just gonna say there's probably more good stuff than that.
8: Right. That's what I meant. This is the only good stuff. All right. So I was just trying to point out that atheists disagree on things and don't have all the answers. Just because that straw man comes up time and again, even if I don't subscribe to it, before you jump in, Randy. I'm just saying (laughs) I love how that story or that example you just gave is a good illustration of how there's discussion and debate and there isn't such a um, clear-cut understanding. Yeah.
0: All right. I'm ready to wrap up.
8: I was just interested in Randy's brother with his river of time theory. Uh-huh. So where does that fall? Where, where, where does that come on, on the spectrum of there is no evidence for things? Like, there's nothing metaphysical about it, dude. It's, it,
6: it's all... This is Bob. <laughs> What'd I say?
0: <laughs> I think he was talking to Jay. Actually. I, heard,
8: I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I think he was Space-time talking to Jay.
6: <laughs> Can you hear me? Right. That's the river of time. Jay's yeah, right always existed. No, no the, the river of time uh, is like string theory kind of it, – it's nothing metaphysical about it. Okay. But
8: so <laughs> is there, there evidence
6: for it or not? No. It, you know, it's just a you know, it still it, it's, it's still, still something out there that – Okay, yeah. cool. I think it, my brother was just trying to make me feel better because <laughs> I was like – so, uh, so people like, find value and and
8: have discussions about all sorts of things that there are no evidence for, and that's a good example of one, right?
6: Um, yeah, but it doesn't um, doesn't make it real. It doesn't. It doesn't make it real. Okay. Uh, like the river of time. I don't. I don't. Well, that's cool. So. That's fine. It doesn't have to yeah. be real. Yeah. Yeah. If it if it keeps me from. Uh, I'll, you know if it, if it reduces my existential crises, that's a good thing.
0: All right. That, awesome. that, that's our new standard.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. God is a concept By which we measure our pain
4: I'll say it again Yes, i right, right
0: anyone for
8: the closing prayer
2: you've been listening to yeah. if and stump
7: if and stump if and stump if, and if and
8: say
3: please subscribe to us
7: please subscribe to us
3: on iTunes.
2: ITunes. and
6: give us feedback
2: and give us feedback
6: we like five stars
2: we like five stars
6: and go to infants on throne
2: and go to Infants on throne
8: infants on
2: Thrones.
6: yes dot <laughs> com
2: dot com and
6: that's our website
2: please and
1: find us because this is me and daddy speaking please listen to us goodbye Aviation.
4: The heart of gold This present light I do not know It's my creation It's my creation Oh, my creation
2: Oh, my creation It's my creation From my heart and from my hands. Why don't people understand my intentions?
1: Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones Intense on Thrones